This is Tracy. And this is Sheila. This is the third episode of Five Fat Chicks. Uh, this episode we're going to be talking about something that is definitely a five on the uh, culinary adventurous scale. We're going to be talking about dim sum. Yes. A traditional Chinese breakfast, very popular in the Toronto area with both ethnic Chinese and white folks alike. It is something that is not like anything else I've ever had that's foreign. It's definitely unique to Asian culture, in particular southern China around Hong Kong. A little bit of history is, well, it's just, it started down there probably thousands of years ago. And it's not like a normal Chinese meal where you order a couple dishes and they come out and you have your rice and you scoop your dishes out. This is... We're almost speechless trying to to find good ways to relate this. I'd almost say that it's like if the menu only had appetizers on it and you were serving family style. Because every dish has between three and four servings on it of whatever it is. And then you order bunches of these dishes and everybody gets a little bit. Dim sum literally means to touch the heart, like a little snack. Yeah, it's not supposed to fill you up. It's supposed to be kind of a light social activity. And this actually is a meal that's very rooted in in socializing. It's a common meal for um, people in China to go out to with their families. It's a big weekend thing, even in Hong Kong, not just in Toronto. Which, if you go to a dim sum restaurant in Toronto, you're probably going to go on the weekend. And you're going to see lots of families. Uh, holidays are huge. My it, goodness. Uh, Mother's Day or Father's Day... There's Don't. just yeah. There's lots and lots and lots of people bringing out their mothers, their grandmothers, their fathers, their grandfathers. It is a huge social thing to bring all the elders out of the house to take them out to dinner. I would recommend not going on Mother's Day or Father's Day. Just it's going to be crazy. It's almost like going out to a festival. We'll give you a little more background into some of the dishes that are there and how we got into this. Um, what was your first time having dim sum? You. <laughs> really? Yeah, actually, you can go ahead and start, because I didn't go at all until I'd met you. Okay, well, I first started going to dim sum when I was in high school with my friend Rick, who had started going to dim sum with some of his buddies from Toronto that were into uh, Cthulhu tabletop gaming. Geeks. Geeks. <laughs> Tentacles and rolling dice. So that's how he got into it, and I got into it because I was part of the live-action vampire scene, and that's how, where we would go, and we'd eat dim sum and then have a storyteller meeting generally and discuss plot and discuss what was going on with the game, what kind of things we wanted to... what kinds of plot lines we wanted to introduce into the game. So that's where I first got my uh, introduction to dim sum. Probably I was about, like, 17, 18... And you, you weren't, we're not even going to the same dim sum restaurant now that Sheila started going to originally. I think we're, what, three away now from the original one? Yeah, there was the, the first one we went to was called New World, and that was, I think, in Markham. Then we went to this other one that was in Chinatown, in downtown Toronto. And I can't remember which, what it was even called. But the place we're currently going to now is called The Ginger and the Onion in Markham, Ontario. And it's in the Pacific Mall Plaza. The exact address is 7131 Kennedy Road, so it's kind of just off of Steeles. It's at the corner of Steeles and Kennedy. You can't miss it. Go to Markham, look for Pacific Mall, you'll find it. You'll run right into it. But I had never really ever had dim sum until I met Sheila. I did go someplace once that did have a dim sum menu with um, the Chinese club, the Asian club on campus, 
but I didn't get dim sum. I ended up splitting a noodle dish with somebody else because I just, I really wasn't sure what it was. I kind of had an explanation given to me of it, but it, it just didn't make any sense at the time. And we were college students, very poor, very afraid of ordering too much food and, and not being able to pay for it. So we went with something that we knew how much it was going to cost. Right, or ordering something and finding out you don't like it. Exactly. Because there's a bunch of dishes and dim sum that I don't like, that mm -hmm. I don't order. I'm pretty adventurous, but I still have a Western palate. And there are some things that are very unappetizing for me, like the bowls of bits and parts that jiggle as they walk by, <laughs> like the organ meats and things like that. Yeah. I mean, if it was the end of the world and there were zombies and I had to survive, yeah, I'd eat it. And I wouldn't complain, but I'm not going to voluntarily eat it. Exactly. I, I am not a fan of organ meat either. And actually, I have a story about that from China, too. And it's it's ironic that I never had dim sum until I met Sheila, which was about four months before I went to teach English in China for nine months. But I was in the northern part of the country. Once I was there, I never had dim sum in the country. I only have experienced it in Canada, which is and once in Washington, D.C. on a smaller scale when we were there. It's something that has become a regular part of our lives now. We try to go whenever we uh, we get a chance with some of our friends in Oshawa, because Oshawa is a hop, skip, and a jump away from Markham. Originally, when we went, it was a heart-wrenching experience for me, because it was always right before I went back to the States after visiting Sheila. And I never really got a chance to enjoy it, because, like, oh, I'm going to miss you. And you have that sickening feeling in the pit of your stomach, and you're going to be separated for a while. So once I finally moved up here, we... I got to enjoy dim sum for a change. There was no overshadowing fear of, of travel or anything else going on. It was, it's much more enjoyable now. And I've only been to the other restaurant, I think, twice that you used to go to, the one by the Tilly store. Yeah, that was New World. And since then, I've only gone to Ginger and Onion, and I, I really like Ginger and Onion. I actually like it better than New World. I think it's more inviting when you walk in. I think the food's better. We're going to review the restaurant in a bit. We, we want to talk more about the basic dim sum dishes you get. Well, to start off with, you're going to wait for a table. It is assigned seating because usually it's jamming. Um, yeah. So they have to have some sort of organized chaos. Otherwise, it would just be horrible. And if it's not jamming in there and you're there on a weekend, turn right around, walk back out the door, and go to another restaurant. That's one thing. When it comes to going to some place where it is a very ethnic cuisine, you want to look for a couple things, especially with dim sum. One, you want the place to be just packed. You want it to be busy. You want to see lots of Asian people there. That's a good sign because they're there for authentic cuisine. If they're not there, you can bet the food's probably not going to be very good. And two, and another, it's a weird thing to look for, but you look at the decor, but not for like, do they have dragons or things up? You want to look for a lot of Chinese writing. You want to look for menus in Asian. You want to look for the specials put up in Asian or Chinese. You, you want to see that because that again means they're catering to a crowd that knows what it likes and it likes good authentic food from the homeland. Exactly. I mean, they're going to even be calling the numbers for your table in their dialect of choice unless they see that you're white and then they'll write a little E beside it and call your number in English. Yeah, and we've they've gotten pretty used to, I think, us at, at the Ginger and Onion. I, well, we're fairly distinctive people because we always go with Rick. Yeah. He's a distinctive looking guy. And then Sheila and I show up and, well, kind of look like hobbits a little bit. So mm -hmm. you get these, these three white people showing up who all who look like they like food. After a while, they're like, oh yeah, you three, well, we've got a table. 
ready soon. And we, we usually take some other friends with us, too. So one of the first things you're going to get whenever you sit down is a pot of tea. And this is kind of one of my favorite little dim sum pieces of lore. Um, whenever your tea runs low, because you're expected to drink a pot per person, essentially. <laughs> well, if you don't do that, they're not going to come and yell at you. But that's it's actually that's, very normal that's throughout the whole That's a pretty good indication, though. I mean, if you have four people, you're probably going to go through four pots of tea by the time. Because it's a leisurely meal, and you're going to drink and chat and eat and talk and relax. Whenever your teapot runs low, if you take the lid and put it ajar, then someone will come over and whisk the teapot away and bring back a fresh pot. And I heard this story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's one of those neat little pieces of lore that apparently the emperor in China snuck away from the palace, and he was kind of doing a Prince and the Pauper thing, and he was hanging out in a dim sum restaurant pretending to be a waiter, and somebody, one of the patrons, recognized that it was the emperor instead of saying, hey, fill my teapot, because he couldn't bring himself to tell the command the emperor to do something. He just kind of put the lid ajar and hoped he, the emperor would get the hint. I heard a similar story, but it, it was involving the tea and the emperor, but it wasn't the a jar lid. It was that, um, I've never seen it, but I've never really been looking for it, that you're not supposed to pour tea for um, yourself, usually. Well, you can if you have to, but it's a courteous thing that you pour tea for everybody else before you pour your own tea, if you can. And when somebody pours tea for you, a, a supposedly common dim sum custom is to kind of bow with your your index and middle finger you like tap it on the table it's supposed to be like a bow like a thank you kind of thing and that came from the emperor was incognito eating dim sum and somebody recognized him they didn't want to blow his cover so instead when the emperor poured tea for him instead of saying oh thank you your majesty or the chinese equivalent floor (laughs) he he kind of tried to subtly bow with his fingers so he wouldn't make the emperor angry but he still had some degree of respect shown within the the experience so who knows if these are true or not but you know they make good tales so exactly. You, you show up, they put you at a table, and at least the, the place we go to, it's a very nice establishment. There's a tablecloth, there, there's your place settings are already there, the china's very nice. It's not like, you know, grandma's holiday china, but nothing's really scungy looking. It's there's not no plastic. Cheap plastic. It's definitely exactly. porcelain, you know, nice stuff ceramic looking stuff so um, then the next thing you're going to notice is you're sitting there waiting for some service and the service comes to you it's kind of like a buffet on wheels where there's these ladies with carts laden with different dishes and they'll all be each cart will have different things on it so they'll come up to you and ask if you want anything and you'll pick what you want off the cart and you've got a little card there with a grid on it, and they'll write whatever it is that you ordered. And I, I'm not sure if they get paid by commission or not, but they sign it. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they have their own mark they put on it, and that's so that they know that they were the one to give you that dish. And there's different grids on there to determine if, um, how much the dish is, because certain dishes cost more than others. Some of the larger ones cost like a couple dollars more. And for dim sum, it is per plate that you get, and it's anywhere from two bucks to five bucks per plate, which sounds like a lot until you think, you know, you go with a party of anywhere from three to ten people. Mm-hmm. It ends up being between twelve and fifteen dollars a person. The more people you add, the cheaper it gets. Which is ironic. You think it wouldn't be, but it just somehow it works out in some mathematical way that is probably like part of the chaos theory. Who knows? 
Exactly. So they come around, they're wheeling their carts, and I am still slightly dim sum illiterate. There are things that I'm still not sure what they are when they go by. Sheila and Rick really are my guides on this. I just let them sit on the outside and I tell them, oh, I like that. I'll want two once I get to see the dish. But they know when to flag them down and when to get things. Well, when they're walking by, they kind of do like this sing-song thing telling you what's on the cart. And if you've been around long enough, you know what the Chinese name for something is and what the English name is and generally what it's going to taste like. Because each place obviously has like their own recipes, but you'll generally find, you know, okay. You'll learn the basics. If it's, they're walking around going char shu bao, that's char shu bao, which is a barbecue pork bun, usually steamed. And it's going to have a chopped up pieces of pork with a slightly sweet sauce on the inside. And it's going to have like a fluffy white bun that's been steamed on the outside. Um, I'm starting to recognize when they go by with shumai. I'm starting to pick that out when they're talking. And, and usually, it's... for some reason, hargao and shumai seem to go on the same cart. So mm-hmm. it's hargao, shumai, hargao, shumai. And they always have have like this cadence to it mm-hmm. that eventually you pick it up. Well, Chinese is a very um, melodic language anyway. It's very tonal. It's very so. tonal, so they're putting the tonal inflections on it and also doing it in a loud way, almost like a, her- a heralded cry. Right, so or this is that heralding the food, or I think of uh, if they were on the street and they were calling down mm-hmm. the street as to what they had. Which there actually is street dim sum too in China. I was reading about that earlier oh, today. Neat. Yeah, you go down and you, you can get it on sticks and things, and it's dim sum foods, but served in a fast food setting, because dim sum is anything but fast food. It's slow food. Yes. You will spend at least an hour at this meal, possibly longer. Mm-hmm plan for a leisurely afternoon and then plan to walk a little bit go over the pacific mall and walk off your meal because you're going to be stuffed to the gills if you like chinese food so they walk around with their little carts and they can get a little aggressive sometimes yeah (laughs) sheila gets assaulted regularly by these ladies well it's because i'm kind of jovial and they know that i i can take a joke one of my favorite dim sum stories is uh one of the delicacies is chicken feet and I don't know what the Chinese name for it is, but I think they actually it, just walk around saying chicken feet, to be mean, honest. It means, it's supposed to translate to, I think, Phoenix Claw or something like of that. Of course they tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's Phoenix Claw. Oh yeah, that's a small phoenix. Yeah, for real. We so, both had them in different settings. That was a dish I had in China. Not a fan. No, it's I just tri- not my thing. I did try it. I tried it once, and to be honest, not a fan. But it's just essentially barbecue chicken skin. Yeah. Because there's not really any meat on the chicken feet. It's just you're more or less eating skin. So if you like chicken skin, like Kentucky Fried Chicken skin. Like Cartman from South Park in the episode where he ate all the chicken skin off exactly. the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Exactly. But you probably actually like chicken feet. Yeah. But I wasn't too into it. Yeah, so poor Sheila. This was at New World, wasn't it? Yeah, this was like <laughs> back in the day. So this lady walks around and she's like chicken feet. I said, "Hmm, no thank you. I've had them before. I don't want any. Thanks anyway. And she's like, kind of smiles. And then she walks off. And a little while later, she's like, chicken feet. In a very teasing way. That's something that's very universal, which I didn't think it would be. And I'm like, no, 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 thank you. And she just laughs and rolls away with the cart. And then the next time she comes up, (laughs) she says, chicken feet. And she grabs the lid of one of the dishes and yanks it off melodramatically. And I jump. (laughs) And she laughs and it's something different. (laughs) Not chicken feet. And then she grabs the next lid and lifts it off really fast. And I'm like, (gasps) and she's like, ha, 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 no chicken feet. And then, (laughs) like, takes off with the cart. (laughs) 
apparently this lady worked there for a while, because this happened to Sheila before I met her. So they take me to dim sum for the first time, and this Chinese lady goes walking by the cart. She stops at our table and says in the same tone, chicken feet, and looks at <laughs> Sheila. That's probably like my Chinese nickname. <laughs> like, that chicken feet girl's back, get the cart out. So, <laughs> Or even if you don't have it, just tell her you do, just to see the look on her face. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. We can, we can play that for six months. So. For real. But all the ladies with the carts, and I've never seen a man wheeling a cart. No, I think it's a, it's a feminine job. Yeah. So. But all the ladies with the carts, they don't always speak a lot of English, but they're all really nice. I mean, they do their best if they don't speak a lot of English to communicate with you, to ask if you want certain sauces on some of the dishes. Yeah. I'm always very impressed with them. So, and, and some of them, are, again, are, they get to know you after a while, and they know what you like. And It's like any place. If you're a regular there, then that goes a long way. You know, and you're making an effort to not only be interested in their culture, but in some ways, like, you're you're trying to speak their language because I always ask for stuff with the Chinese name. And they'll be like, shrimp roll, and I'm like, hargao. Yeah, good. Or they'll, you know, they'll correct they'll you and, and make sure you learn the, the proper pitch for it, too. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's a very tonal language. So you say it one way, and it means something else. You say it another way, and it's something very naughty. Right. So <laughs> there's a few words that have that connotation, but nonetheless, you, they're really good about, about being very friendly with the... No, I wanna, don't want to say foreigners, because we're not really foreigners. We're, we're all the same we're all the same countrymen. But they're very friendly with the, um, the outsiders that come into yeah. their restaurants. So there's one of the dishes we've already talked about, chicken feet, not our favorite. I'd there's say, a, another story with almond jello. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dessert dish, and yeah. there are dessert dishes that go around in there's dim sum as well. There's sweet stuff, there's savory stuff. And one of these ones is almond jello, which they would usually top with fruit and uh, sweetened condensed cream. So I'm like, yeah, I really like that. I'd like to try that. So I order a bowl of it, and then I start eating it. And I'm thinking, man, I better finish this, because if I ordered it and I don't finish eating it, I'm going to feel like a total heel. And nobody else at the table wanted any either, right? So, exactly. This was, again, pre-Tracy time, so. This is like the trial and error way of learning the culture. So I'm sitting there eating, trying to finish it because I ordered it and I don't want to waste anything. And then everyone kind of starts going, wow, you must really like that almond jello. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's really good, but I'm kind of getting sick of eating it. And they're like, well, you can stop. I'm like, well, I ordered it. I should finish eating it. And that's when Rick pipes up saying, that's a serving for four people. You don't have to eat at all. (laughs) (laughs) So in my attempt to try and be polite, I ended up looking like a fool anyway. So the moral of the story is stop when you're full. Exactly. And and that is an example. The almond jello is one of the dessert dishes that'll come out. They have a mango pudding that has little mango chunks in it. And again, they they top it with the condensed milk. And that's really good. It's got a very strong mango flavor to it. Not an artificial mango flavor. It's No, they probably use juice to make it. Yeah, and there's pieces of fruit in it generally. Yeah, that one's really good. They do a uh, egg custard tart. Oh yeah, like that, little tarts with uh, an egg custard inside it? I'm not as big a fan of, of them depending on where we are. Sometimes they get a little eggy tasting for me. Not very sweet. But there's also a, a steamed bun, or a baked bun, I'm sorry, it's not steamed, it's baked, that has like a, an egg custardy filling in yeah. it too that's very good. And there's another place we go to that's not a dim sum restaurant that we're going to touch on at the end to get those. It's just the best I think we've ever had. But some of the other dishes that are there, we've already thrown out some names. We haven't explained them. Right. Well, there's hargao, which is it's basically like a shrimp meatball. It's like a clump of shrimp that's got a clear rice noodle around it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's shumai, which is 
like a little pork meatball, and usually it has a bit of like fish roe on top of it. And mushrooms sometimes. And sometimes it's got mushrooms in it. And, And these are usually bursting out of the top of their wrappers. And again, that's something I had just read recently. It is, um, you want to see them bursting out of the top because that means they're fresh made and not frozen. Mm. So I guess Good the frozen ones don't burst out of the top like that. So they'll, they'll almost look like little open-faced dumplings when you get them. And those come in steamer baskets, and they are three to a basket? It depends four on how big, because sometimes they make big ones that are three mm-hmm. to a basket. Sometimes they'll make a little bit slightly smaller ones that are four. Actually, I think they're four to a basket. But and these things will come out on plates. They'll come out in steamer baskets. They'll, some stuff will come out in a giant soup pot that they, they ladle out into a, a larger dish that they, you then ladle out at your table. Um, some things come out in, like, steamer plates where they have these, like, little metal covers on the plate. Yeah, like... And they're in hot carts. The chauffin, which is a rice noodle. It looks like a long, deflated squid. Mm-hmm. It's tubular, and it's usually filled with meat. And then they drizzle this... It's like a soy Some kind Worcestershire of soy, yeah. sauce over top of it. it. It It's really good. And they do yeah. pork in them. They do shrimp in them. And, and they they have, there's they beef as well. Beef. Wasn't there a barbecued pork one? Yeah, last I think time we, we actually went? had a barbecued that pork one. That one was really was good. good. Now, the, the shrimp ones, and I am a shrimp fan, and the shrimp ones there at the Ginger and Onion are just... Like kind of buttery and garlicky, and I yeah, it's eat. almost like it's a scampi. Yes, it's almost like it's, it's a scampi. It has a very light scampi flavor to it. Yeah, I never really thought of that before. It's got the butter and the garlic in it. Mm-hmm. And these are tubes that are about four or five inches long. Yeah, those ones come three to a plate, and usually we, depending how many people were in the party and how many plates we get, we usually take them half at a time. Yeah, either cut them in half or cut them in thirds, depending. And the ladies with the carts have scissors that they walk around with, and they cut a lot of these things in half for you because you're eating with chopsticks. And it's sometimes very hard to take a very large piece of food and, and mangle it down with chopsticks to something you can eat. Chinese food is, is meant to be bite-sized food, and they help make it bite-sized for you. Exactly. Now, there's also, you, there's occasions where you can use your hands, definitely, like with the barbecue buns, mm-hmm. with baked buns, with steamed buns. You can pick those up and eat them with your hands. But that's how I learned how to use chopsticks, was by going to dim sum, because I didn't want to be a big lame with a fork. <laughs> oh, I learned at Pensic Wars eating canned ravioli out of cans with them. Yeah, that wasn't very Chinese of me, was it? <laughs> but either way, you pick it up eventually, so... There's hargao, shumai, ah, oh, the dog bones. I can't remember what those are called. I don't remember the name of them either. We're just going to have to describe them. We call them dog bones because they're crispy. Well, there's two different versions. There's a wet version, which I affectionately describe as squelchy. And that's a tofu wrapper, isn't it's it? It's a tofu yeah. wrapper. These are both and tofu then there's wrappers. a crunchy version, which I guess is baked. It's or fried. Like, or fried. And it's got the tofu wrapper around it, but it's got meat inside it. Mm-hmm. And those are really good. Both the, the crunchy and the squelchy versions are delicious. It's, it's just like a tofu, too. Those are fantastic. There's the crazy tofu soup pudding stuff that Rick likes. And it's like pudding, but it's definitely tofu based. And it comes with a sugar syrup. Yeah, they like kind of like whack a scoop out of this wiggling block of tofu, throw it into a bowl, and then drizzle this syrup over it, which is vaguely honey tasting. It's very, very good. I like it. It's, it's, um, it reminds me a little bit in texture of the soft tofu, if you get it at the store. Yeah. But it's a little bit sweeter. It's like it's been mixed with something. I don't know. And then it comes with the, the drizzly sweet stuff that I'm not a huge fan of it. I like tofu, but I like tofu when it's cooked with things. I don't just like tofu for the sake of tofu. But it's, it's something that when you go with people to dim sum, if you don't 
like something, there's always going to be another cart behind it with something you like. So yeah. Some people at the table get what they like. You kind of hang out and eat the leftovers from the other dishes. And then when the other cart comes by, you're like, oh, hey, I like that. And you get a, an extra basket of that and you gorge on that. It's really hard to go away hungry from there if you're into that kind of cuisine. Exactly. Let's see. Is there spring rolls? Yes. Which... And shrimp rolls, mm-hmm. which are like maybe as big as a kindergarten pencil and probably about as long. And they're deep fried wrappers filled with shrimp. They're very crispy. And these are not, we, we think of in Western culture, egg rolls, we think of these giant overstuffed rolls that are deep fried. Possibly with bacon bits in them. Possibly with bacon bits in them. Oh, heresy. But these are, are not like that. These are very skinny rolls. These are very much like the egg rolls I had in China. The only time I ever had egg rolls in China were little skinny ones. There's spring rolls, same thing. There are oh, lotus, the sticky oh, rice. This stuff is sticky amazing. Sticky rice is delicious. It comes one to a steamer basket. Two usually. Two to a steamer basket. And it's this little bundle of leaves. And you flip it upside down. You unwrap it like a present. And it has this really glutinous rice inside that has things mixed in it. And these are good things, not scary things. Usually it's It'll, mushroom. Usually it's like little pieces of chicken, pork, pork, egg. They have egg yeah, in them. Yeah, sometimes there's egg in them. And they they ste- they wrap this all into the, the the leaf, which is usually a lotus leaf. It's usually triangle shaped too, it mm-hmm. seems. And they steam it, and you get a little bit of the flavor of the lotus leaf infused into the rice, and then it's all sticky. And it can be kind of sweet sometimes too. You don't, you can if you want, if you really like it, you can eat a whole packet by yourself. But it's something that we usually end up cracking open, and two people split one because it's a good, healthy serving of of food in bits. And the bits is. That's actually something I, I want to touch on for a moment, because I know there's a lot of hesitation when people go to a restaurant that's very authentic, that, oh, I'm going to get things that I'm afraid of. I'm going to get parts of the animal that you're not supposed to eat. I'm going to get animals that I don't think I want to eat that may not even be safe to eat. And you have to remember, these are professional food establishments. They have to conform to the same health and safety codes everybody else does. If they're going to serve you, they're not going to serve you something that's unsafe. They're not going to serve you something that could cause harm to you. And they're not going to serve anything that's illegal. Yeah. You're going to get, if if it tastes like pork, it's pork. It's not going to be some scary part of the animal. The only things that look scary that are the organ meats, you're going to be able to tell right away that that's what it is. And that's only the jiggly bits dish, but it's, it's very safe. And to be honest, I mean, you'd see that, you see the jiggly bits dish in any culture, you know, old Eastern European, Northern European, anywhere you look, there's going to be dishes made that we don't have to eat anymore, but our ancestors ate to survive. And they tried to just dress it up as best they could. And some people really like them still. I'm just not a fan. But if you go someplace that is very authentic and they have items listed on the menu in English and you can tell, you know, it says beef or pork. If it says beef or pork or chicken, it's going to be skeletal muscle tissue. If they're going to put an organ on there, they have to tell you it's an organ. Yeah. Even if they put tongue on there, everyone's like, oh, tongue's just a muscle, heart's just a muscle. It's not skeletal muscle tissue. And that's just part of the, the food safety laws we have and the the, um, the regulations that they have to conform to. So there should be no fear at all going to places like these. Yeah, I mean, they have to adhere to the same food safety laws as any other place. Mm-hmm. So And in Toronto, it's even easier to see because of the um, the green, yellow, red tags they put in the windows now. Yeah, they have their, whenever the health and safety inspectors come, you know, they either pass, pass conditionally, or fail. And that's posted in the window. And all these places I've ever been to have always been in the green. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're superbly clean when you go in. Again, if it's not clean, turn around and leave. But at least Ginger and Onion and New World have always been very clean when we were in yeah. there. 
What are a few other dishes that we've had here and there? The squid. Oh, yeah. Technically bits. Curried squid, which I like. Uh, little squidlets. Yep. Uh, don't they do a garlic one, too? Yeah, there's also one. The, the garlic one has the ninja peppers in it, because they make you go, wah! <laughs> and there's the footballs. Yes. The footballs are these... Actually, I'm not even sure what the outside part is. It's like a spongy pastry, and the inside has... It's very glutinous on the inside. Lotus paste. Oh, those aren't the footballs I'm thinking of. Oh, you're talking about the footballs with the meat in them. Yeah, because it has a crunchy outside, it has a glutinous inside, and then it has like um like a meat filling on the inside. That yeah, it's like ground, it's pork. It's ground pork. It's really good. It has like a pork with like a very thick gravy mixed in with it, almost like a sauce, and it's very savory. It's one of my favorite dishes when we go. Mm-hmm. I love to get the footballs. But the dish Sheila was just talking about, it's like a sesame ball. It's coated like the, sesame seeds. It's like the same outer thing, but instead of it being plain, it's got sesame seeds embedded on it. And on the inside, there's a blob of lotus paste, which I think tastes a lot like peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It tastes a lot like nut paste, I think. I yeah. really like it. I think it tastes like peanut butter, too. And it's it's delicious. It's crispy. It's a good dessert it's without being overly sweet. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is, I swear, if I, when I die, I'm probably going to die choking on a little lotus ball <laughs> because they're they're very sticky when you chew them and they're very hard to chew so you get excited because you're chewing and it's great and you're like oh i want to swallow it and you haven't quite separated all the glutinous stuff yet and it's sliding down your throat in giant chunks and you're like yeah. oh i think i might choke this time so <laughs> that's how i'm gonna die someday choking on on a lotus ball just want to yeah. let you know hopefully you'll be old by then i say practice your Heimlich maneuver now maybe i'll have a fighting chance and then um when you're finally done eating now we, i think we've covered all the dishes that we Pretty normally much all the get. regulars, yeah. yeah. and there's a couple other ones we don't see very often that come out now yeah. and then. Like, there's this one that's like a fried, crispy dish that looks almost like a honeycomb, and it's got honey drizzled on it. I don't know if it's meant to look that way, or if it's just a coincidence. Mm. And there's a sponge cake, too, that comes out. Yeah. And it's just a giant-looking pound cake piece. That yeah. They cut into chunks for you, and it tastes just like pound cake. It's very good. It's very fresh. Mm-hmm. You get this, it's still hot from the oven when it comes out on the carts. And that's something else when you go to dim sum. All of the food will be super fresh, straight from the kitchen to you, like you just ordered it. They don't go around and around all day with the same carts. In no. fact, it, they it go sells. back and reload. Yeah. It, it goes quickly, so. But once you're done, all you have to do is take your little card that the ladies with the carts have been diligently filling out for you and just hold it up in the air. Somebody will come dashing over within about a minute or two and they'll take the card and come back and tell you how much you owe. It's, we refer to it as running up the flag. Mm-hmm. Run up the flag, you surrender, and, and there they go. Um, you can get a doggy bag if you still have leftovers, take them home. Most of them reheat very well. They're great mm-hmm. for snacks later in the day. And unlike normal, like, Americanized Chinese food where you say, oh, I'm going to be hungry in an hour, you're not going to be hungry in an hour after dim sum. No. This is a meal that is pretty heavy on the protein. It's not all vegetables. You will fill up and stay full for a good it's part of the day. It's heavy on carbs, too. Yeah. So it's like a nice mix. It's not just rice and vegetables. It's got a little bit of everything in there. And this is about as authentic a Chinese food as you can get without going to China. Yeah. So now for the ginger and onion itself, the restaurant, uh, we can just tell you right now it's going to be two thumbs up. Definitely. It's one of our favorite places. Um, when you walk in, it, it's I think it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's got reds and golds and the tablecloths. The tablecloths are totally crisp white. Mm-hmm. You know, the place settings are in nice repair. They're good. The um, They have a, not like a separate room, but a partitioned room off to the right with glass 
into the walls, and it's like the etched glass. It's very, very nice. They uh, had dragons up for Chinese New Year's hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Very pretty dragons. The staff is all just immaculately dressed. The ladies coming out from the kitchen with the uh, carts, they usually have hats on and uh, aprons and things. The staff that actually set the tables, clear the tables, and seat you, they always wear uniforms. Yeah. I mean, the place is just very well put together. Very professional. Runs like a well-oiled machine and is just beautiful to look at. It has a nice, unassuming front, too, when you show up to it. It doesn't look like some gaudy, tacky tourist trap when you go up to the front. It just looks like a nice restaurant from the outside. Mm-hmm. So, And there's parking. It does have parking in that huge parking lot with the Pacific Mall. But if you're there on the weekend, it's going to be busy. Be yeah. prepared to jockey for a spot. But the nice part is, if you're like us and your weekend is in the middle of the week, they do serve dim sum throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And they do, I think, serve dim sum pretty much all day. And that is a rarity. Usually Most it's places. like only the weekend. Mm-hmm. If you get there past 1 o'clock, you're SOL. Yes, and if they do it during the weekday, it's going to end by 1 or 2 o'clock. So this is a place where usually you can get it most of the time. And it does take cash. They take debit. They take um, Visa. They take all forms of payment pretty much. You're good to go with that. So Ginger and Onion, check it out. Pacific Mall, four thumbs up. Definitely. Now there's a a postscript to this podcast too. We've gotten into an interesting habit. Rick found this place actually before we moved back to Canada. And it's down the street. It's kind of like if you're staring at the Ginger and Onion, isn't it to the left like across the parking lot i think it's kind of or maybe in behind. around into the side i think because the ginger and onions on the end of that little u-shaped part right well, well the ginger and onion is on 7131 and this place is 7077 so it's definitely within the same parking lot complex mm-hmm. i think it's just down the other end like you go down and follow it you really as long as you circle the perimeter of the pacific mall outside you will be able to find it And it's a little bakery called the Three Brothers. Three Mm -hmm. Brothers Bakery. And Rick found it. They were looking for a a good Chinese bakery to pick up some snacks. And the place has a great variety, fantastic prices, everything you could want from a Chinese bakery. They sell the char siu bao, which are the steamed buns with the barbecue pork filling in them. They have apricot buns. They have the little custard buns that I like. And then a whole bunch of other stuff. They've got donuts. They've got, like meat buns with like ham in it or fish in it for the more adventurous they have oh those little custard buns i like yeah. i used to get in china too not exactly. custard um coconut buns yeah they have a case a cold case with very beautifully decorated cakes asians like to decorate cakes with fruit even if you've like looked online at pictures of chinese or japanese birthday cakes there's usually a bunch of fruit on it to decorate that cake rather than relying on cloyingly heavy sweet icing mm-hmm. and they have a gorgeous dessert case that's something that we haven't gotten a cake from there yet a, a regular cake cake i would like to bring one back and try it because definitely they, they look so pretty they have to taste good they also sell in the other dessert case before you get to the um where you're still kind of in the back of the restaurant cake rolls like giant swiss rolls and they have yeah. different flavors it's not just like chocolate and vanilla they have like fruit flavored ones like mango, mango banana peach definitely try the mango roll it's very very tasty mm-hmm. And the people that own it are really, really cool. The one brother that we always see in there, he is he's a real joker. He has a good sense of humor, and he'll always try and joke around with you. And mm-hmm. and they've gotten to know Rick because he... Uh, his he Chinese up. name is like Apricot Bun. Has if mine is Chicken Feet, then his is Apricot Bun. <laughs> Rick is... Um, he goes and he buys 
um, apricot buns by the tray because he takes them home, he freezes them, and then when he goes to work, he takes one a day for his, his lunch for a snack. That's like his mid-afternoon snack. And somebody, he buys them for somebody else now, too. Yeah. He's bringing another tray back for somebody else he works with, I think. Yeah, but whenever you get the stuff, they ask if you want it sealed, and if you do, then because they individually bag everything, they'll, they've got like a heat sealer there that'll crimp the bag shut so it's not going to get freezer burnt when you throw them all in the freezer. In fact, Sheila sometimes brings back some char bao and just whips them in the freezer, and, and the, the buns are big. And custard buns, too. The char bao is about a meal in itself. If you're going to have a light lunch, you, yeah. you thaw it out and you're good to go. Whip it in the microwave just to warm it through. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, he walks in, and they just see him now, and they pull two buns of apricot. Two trays. Two trays of apricot buns out and just start packaging them for him. So it's, Anything else? <laughs> yeah. And then we, we frolic through and pick up a few little things here and there. And it's about a dollar to a dollar fifty a bun, depending what you get. Yeah. I think the donuts are less. Mm-hmm. If you go after 5 o'clock, everything's marked half off. They clear everything out to start fresh the next day, which is very cool, too. So definitely recommend, if you're going to take the time to go to the Ginger and Onion, skip across the parking lot either before or after you eat. Maybe get a coffee there and have a slice of cake. They do sell cake by the slices. Yep. Maybe get a bun to try if... You're full by the time the char bao comes out and ginger and onion, at least go get a bun to try at home from the Three Brothers Bakery. Or if there was something that you really, really liked that you didn't see, because that's just the danger, the agony and the ecstasy of dim sum. You'll be waiting and waiting and waiting for something to come out, and you'll just be like so full that you're like, oh, even if it comes out now, I can't even eat it. Mm-hmm. You'll run up the flag, and as soon as they take that check away to total it up, there will be a cartload of whatever it was you were waiting for, rolling by. And it'll be fresh and hot and full. And, and tasty. And tasty. So if you miss something... They... It'll smell better than it's ever smelled before. Yes. <laughs> so if you miss something on the dim sum carts, check out Three Brothers and see if they have it. Yes. Or buy some to take it home to eat later. And as good as the food is at the ginger and onion, we've actually gotten to the point where we don't even get char when it goes around. We usually wait and, and get it at uh, ginger and at, uh, the bakery. Three Brothers. And again, this, these are culinary adventures. Do not take meat and potato people there. Do not take picky, fussy eaters there. I uh, took my mom there, and she <laughs> was like, can we stop on the way home and get something to eat? <laughs> she was such a good sport. She was. I mean, she, she was really, very good about it. She gave it a good shot. We wanted to take her so she could see where we, we always went on Sundays. Yeah, because I've been going to this, these places for a ever. Decade. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, I always wondered where you were going. Now I know. Now I know, and now I don't care. Yes. (laughs) So, but she was a good sport. If somebody's not really into the exotic type of food, but they're willing to give it a shot, take them. But if there's somebody who, you know, they don't even like burritos, I would not recommend checking this out. Well, part of it, too, is not only are you going to have very, very foreign combinations of spices and flavors, it's also a very, very different way of eating because it's a lot of emphasis is put on texture, mm-hmm. not just taste. In Western cuisine, we're all about taste, we're all about presentation. In the Asian cultures, texture plays a huge, huge part in it. It's as important as taste, which texture is important in Western cooking and cuisine. I mean, you don't want something that feels like sand, obviously. Right. We, we had a point where even texture, we're like, no, that's too much. Right. But it's very important in Asian cooking, I've, I've seen too. I mean, the difference is... If you have mealy mashed potatoes, people will still eat them, but they're not going to like it. Mm -hmm. But some of the different textures in dim sum can put people off if they're not prepared for that or if they're not open to that. Mm -hmm. 
and it is an, an assault on your, your nose. It smells like, it smells great. It smells very tasty, but it's different smells that you don't usually get from Western cooking. So that's going to hit you as soon as you walk in. You're going to be assaulted on your nose. Your eyes are going to be overwhelmed because it's a very pretty place. It's very foreign, and there are a lot of people there. Uh, it's, and they're all talking at the same time. And that's where in the... In a different language. It which, assaults your ears yeah. because it's you're surrounded by Asian people. The first time she took me, I was a little squirrely. When I came back from China, I was used to it. Right. I just kind of slid right in and fit right in. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can handle this. Hey, at least when I go to the bathroom, they have Western toilets here. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> There's another story for you. At the uh, New World, I finally, I felt like an ogre when I went to the bathroom because <laughs> the stall was so small. They were Chinese-sized. I had to, like, rest my arm on the toilet paper dispenser. There was just enough room for me to kind of slide in sideways, and the stall was almost touching me on either side. <laughs> and we call ourselves five fat chicks. We're not morbidly obese. We actually blend into most crowds. Heck, in the United States, especially in West Virginia, we were kind of considered svelte compared to a lot of people in the area. It's one of the more obese states in the country, but these were just tiny, tiny little stalls. Made for tiny, tiny little people. Yes. I don't know if we have anything else to add. I, I could go on and on. I could just go into Bubble Tea at Pacific Mall. I could go into Shabu Shabu down the, the uh, shopping center from from the uh, the bakery. But I think this might that's be a good all, point like, to end on. That's another that's episode. That's another episode. Uh, we will talk about Shabu Shabu. It's um, Mongolian hot pot. That is, if, if Dim Sum is Sheila's favorite authentic Chinese cuisine, mine is hands down hot pot. And I think we, we need a whole episode for that. Definitely. Yeah. With pictures. With pictures, yes. And we will... Do we have Dim Sum pictures? We, we have some dim sum pictures, but we have more shabu shabu pictures. Well, we need next time we go to dim sum, we'll try to get some dim sum pictures to put up for anybody who's curious what the stuff looks like. Again, if you have any comments, criticisms, questions, requests, we're lonely. Write us. So this is Tracy. This is Sheila. Thanks for listening to Zavai Fat Chicks. We hope you enjoyed the Zavai Fat Chicks podcast. Please add us as a friend on MySpace and/or Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can email us at zweifatchicks at gmail.com. That's Z-W-E-I-F-A-T-C-H-I-C-K-S at gmail.com. Our theme music is Hot Swing by Kevin McLeod, and we hope that you have a great day.